Hello and welcome to Cage Club. Two fans, 86 movies, one cage. This is episode 91, Looking Glass, from either 2017 or 2018, depending on what you go by. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. With us today, we have a very special guest, Holly Gore. Hello, Holly. Hi, I'm a very mad Holly Gore this time around. Uh Uh-oh. You are very mad Holly Gore about Looking Glass, a thriller in which Nicolas Cage and Robin Tunney buy a motel off of Craigslist (laughs) and then own and operate it. (laughs) That is basically the plot. If you ever wanted to see Cage kind of clean a pool and fix a couple toilets, (laughs) I mean, a couple other things happen, but that's the general gist of it. He's not even a pleasant business owner. No, he is the world's worst motel proprietor. (laughs) That they have, who's clearly a regular, I call them Tommy Big Rig. Oh, that's a he good He is the name. guy who yeah. shows up a couple mm-hmm. times a week. His name is Tommy. He's always bringing a new hooker to the hotel to have sex with him. This guy who is basically one of your most prominent, if, you're mo- if not your most prominent customer, and Cage basically says to him, hey man, I know they're not your daughters, what are you doing in there? <laughs> like, just rent the hotel room out to him. Like, he's not murdering anybody, he's just banging hookers. Like, why are you trying to chase people no, off? No, not even. He doesn't even be nice, because when that guy first shows up, he gives him an extra tip. He says, hey, I know you're a first-time business owner, like, it's tough. He doesn't bond or, like, defrost until they bond over, like, fucking cheating on their wives. Yeah, and, I mean, even later, doesn't Cage say to someone, like, I don't care what you do in your room, like, it's none of my business, so it's very inconsistent. We'll get to how inconsistent everybody is in this movie, but I I always, I'm constantly forgetting within the first, I don't know, two minutes of this movie, there's a flashback. Cage and his wife are driving through the desert, and we find out that their daughter dies, was, like, maybe burned alive on her possibly on her birthday like he's grieving the entire movie and i constantly forget that about his character we later find out she was not burned alive that she fell to her okay okay oh did we find that out i because yes well the 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 unreliable sheriff tells us that well no because the sheriff shows up and he says even though we're a small town department it's not like we don't have access to the big city news or whatever and he has the newspaper clip and says (laughs) the title of the article is six-year-old falls to death And so that is what happened there. But at the time, Cage might have been next door banging the neighbor. He might have been abusive to his wife. The wife might have been... Hopped up on goofballs, yeah. There's all sorts of things. It's all very strange. I'm going to say here right off the bat that I gave this movie on Letterboxd a 5 out of (laughs) 5 for the sole reason that whenever I am able to become the first person on a Nicolas Cage movie to give a movie five stars on Letterboxd, I'm going to do exactly that. And then later, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out why I give that movie a five stars. But like the same thing with Inconceivable, which I was getting oh. very heavy Inconceivable well, vibes here. That was that, That's way better, I'd say. That works more. I mean, I gave this like a genuine three stars, and I know Holly's going to be screaming. Which, which, which no, <laughs> one, no offense to you, Mike, I feel is the absolute weirdest possible rating you could give this movie i feel like it's either in the half star to one and a half star range or like a five like i feel like anything in the middle is like a what is going on here well maybe it's it was just that it left me with that sense of what the hell is going on here uh i, I actually found there to be quite a lot of missed opportunities in this movie i mean you got such a good opportunity with this setup I guess well not necessarily the characters but just the idea of like a thriller happening in different rooms at a motel but this turns out to be sort of like a weird peeping tom 
kind of movie. Like, we come to find out kind of early that Room 10 has a two-way mirror, and Cage, like, creeps behind there every once in a while and watches the crazy goings-ons, and that might be connected to some crimes happening and all kinds of stuff. But I I actually thought the reveal was going to be one of two other things. The motel was haunted, that we were going to get, you know, maybe like a Philip Jeffries kind of character in one of the rooms of some kind. There is a a heavy Twin Peaks vibe. Like a a tea kettle? (laughs) Or like a talking owl, perhaps, or something. Yeah, what was with the the owl motif? Like, night owls sleep here. What does that mean? Everything sleeps. Even if it's nocturnal, it sleeps. (laughs) Like, does that mean you have really good blackout curtains? What I think this movie was trying to do was be a blend of Psycho and Rear Window. Yeah. Where it's, you know, the voyeur thing plus the motel ownership. And in Psycho, there's, like, the bird motif, too, right? Like, there's the stuffed birds on the walls, and, like, there's the art and everything. And I feel like this is, like hey, don't you get what we're doing here? Mm, but at the same time, like it does have a Twin Peaks vibe, but it also feels like David Lynch forgot how to make movies and then made this movie. <laughs> Did he but make what's, this what's movie? shocking to me. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, no, no, I was no. going to say, wow, this was really bad. No, 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 no. It just feels like somebody who wanted to be David Lynch and just didn't know how to make movies. Mm. But the guy who did direct this movie directed River's Edge. Oh, my gosh, that's right. Keanu Reeves. Like, how, how is this guy who directed one of Keanu's first good movies doing this like what is happening that's a mind blower yeah i remember reading that and having some hope that this was going to be you know like a a great one like a legit good movie and not like a bad good movie as i put it i guess Um, the other thing that that comes to mind that i was trying to remember is sort of along the lines of psycho where i absolutely thought cage was the killer they should have made it that it was sort of that and they were going that way where it was sort of like the blackout killer don't remember what i did kind of character storyline and I think that would have been successful instead of the reveal that it was the psycho cop killer which is also stupid oh yeah it's way stupid it's very it's stupid stupider. it's very yeah. stupid but I think the movie tips its hand with 25 minutes to go. Cage and the sheriff have had a really rocky relationship up to this point. The sheriff keeps showing up because, as we find out in the end, the sheriff killed a guy or something. A girl, a young girl. The previous owner knew it. and I Because guess it was room 10, right? He was behind the mirror? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so we find out that like the sheriff is there because he basically, I think, wants to get a feeler for Cage, figure out what this guy is up to, what his sort of temperature is, blah, 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 blah. We don't know that until, like, about 25 minutes left. Cage says, you know, there's this woman here. You told me to let you know if there's anybody suspicious. She's suspicious. And then the sheriff goes something like, oh, I wonder if she has a partner. And I was like, oh, like, the way he said the line or whatever he said specifically, I was like, oh, you're the killer. That's what's happening here. Like, you are just, like, you just tipped your hand. But I don't understand why most of the rest of the movie happened, including why did he shoot and kill Ben? I guess Ben, the guy who sold the motel to him, to Cage, was going to blab on the sheriff, so the sheriff, like, sniped him? But he totally wasn't. And why wouldn't he have shot both of them if he had a sniper rifle and was able to take out one guy? And Nick Cage doesn't run away. He stands there like a derp. He could (laughs) have shot both, like... Ugh, this movie just had a bunch of dumb things in it. Like, even at the beginning, like, okay, they're a broken marriage. Why even have the, the plot line of, like, their daughter dying? Why couldn't they just have a, a shitty marriage in which she's a drug addict and he cheated on her? What element does having, like, the dead daughter add other than, uh, we need reasons for them to keep fighting and have not had sex? Oh, and the fact that it's told, like, in the first three minutes, he's, like, driving the car and drinking a beer 
it's just like so like in your face like he is disturbed she is also disturbed their kid is dead this movie sucks she is wildly inconsistent as a character yes in the first three minutes it seems like she's a hostage in the car because she's like i gotta pee i gotta pee right now i might piss my pants and like they pull off to the side of the road like to this like truck stop or whatever and then there's just like the supposedly like playful banter but it feels like she's trying to escape from him i'm like what is happening here Mm -hmm. i think the kid thing is here just to add another layer of quote-unquote complexity to their relationship because they have the fight over the adoption paper which is a great scene by the way it's the only scene basically (laughs) what is this what's what your journey toward adoption jesus christ maggie it's just information right it's not like we never talked about it you said once we were settled in this is settled in we just got here you promised me shit maggie i I need some time for this to... I, I can't just... Fuck, I mean... It's a piece I, of paper, Ray. Okay, you don't have to pay for it. You don't have to feed it. You don't even have to watch over it. What is that supposed to mean? When I said I'd stay, you promised we could do this, and now you don't even want to talk about it. It's like being married to a brick fucking wall. We came here to start over, and everything is exactly the same. It's exactly the same. I have a relationship with her. I talk to her every day. And you can't just... You're not allowed to just replace her. Don't you talk about her. I was with her. When you were off being just fucking friends with the neighbor, I was there with her. Yeah, you were there. You were high. You were a million miles away when she was sitting on your lap. I'm going to be better. If she was a drug addict and he was che- and he was just like cheating on her, I don't think that there's really a reason for them to stick together. Like if if it's just mm-hmm. like we're gonna give it another try, it feels sort of loose. It feels like the kid died. They wanted to break up. They're like we're gonna do this. Like we're gonna make take a plunge. Like I feel like a regular on the rocks. And this is all just 100 <laughs> percent guesswork. But I feel like a regular on the rocks relationship won't go out and buy a motel. It's like, we lost something, we need to replace it with something else, and that's what they're doing here. So I feel like there had yeah. to be, like, I get why there's the mm-hmm. kid. I agree with you that like they don't do anything really interesting with the fact that they had a kid yeah. die. But I feel like there was reason for it to be there. It just should have been handled better. No, th- that makes sense. I'm glad I got your uh, film expertise on that point. I <laughs> Alright, the kid subplot can stay. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they just wanted them to be working through some type of tragedy. Like it almost didn't matter if it was a dead kid or a relative, whatever the relative was necessarily. Or like you know, I, I just feel like there just needed to be something in their past because there's really nothing in their present really going on. So like you really have to have something to work through. Going back to that cop thing though, real quick though, I mean, I wish they played with him a little better because I kind of knew immediately as he, when he walked through the door that that he's the killer he's constantly asking for the previous owner so that makes it a little obvious that the owner might have seen something and the other great scene between him and cage is when he the did you do it scene you know did you do it did you do it he's like do what do what do what that that whole yeah uh, back and forth is great believe me i'm gonna pull so (laughs) many clips from this movie because they are all wonderful how long ago did it happen it's funny you should ask me that Because the answer is a real pisser. It was the night after you showed up here to come see this place for the first time. I mean, it was just a couple of months ago you came here to look at it, right? And the boys across the street said they saw your same truck in this parking lot the day before. 
Is that some strange ass timing or what? Did you do it? Did I do it? Did you do it? Did I do Ray, what? Did you do it? Did, did I do what? The did pig? you do it? Howard. Ray, did you do it? Did I do Did you do it? Did I do Ray, what? Did you do it? Did I do what? Did you do it? Did I do what? <laughs> I know you didn't do it. <laughs> I do not want to go further in this podcast without pointing out the fact that there is a scene in this movie in which Nicolas Cage pulls a dollar bill out of his pocket and cleans his glasses with it. I don't know why that's in the movie. Oh, did I step away for that? I must have gotten a snack during that point. Darn. Oh my god. Holly. It is the best moment of this movie. You must have missed the moment that I saw then when he's at the gas station introducing himself to the the guy who owns it. Oh, no, no, no. I saw that, okay. too. I know exactly he, what you're you talking think about this here. Is, he, he's starting to chew. He breaks out a piece of gum and starts to chew the gum and then drinks a beer while he's chewing the gum. <laughs> oh, see, now my favorite part is when he's talking to the sheriff and he's like, yeah, I got a pig in my pool. <laughs> so stupid. Well, he not only chews the gum in that convenience store, he like kind of deep throats the gum. Like he he like he unwraps it in a very weird way, and it's like straight up and down, and he like bites the whole thing. Like it's very weird. The pig in the pool is also crazy. Like who threw the pig in the pool? Was that the sheriff? I think it's the cop. Yeah, I think the cop is doing that in the red paint also at one point. But why? Um, to scare Cage away. What is the point of that? What is the end goal? Well, like, is it just to get so many degrees away from Ben that all traces back to the sheriff murdering someone? That's the only thing I can imagine. Yeah. That, like, if Cage sells to someone and then that person gets scared away, <laughs> I feel like the sheriff else. was heading over to the motel to kill the previous owner and then he finds out that he sold it on craigslist and cage is there you know like this all happened very recently like you know like the night before even because the guy's not even there to greet cage or anything like that mm-hmm. i really don't understand though why the pig would be in the pool there's a pig in a pool with, whose belly has been split open yeah and there's a graduation photo of a young girl <laughs> and on the back handwritten is the word chris and that photo is not waterlogged at all it's like like somebody no. dropped it in the water for two seconds, fished it out, and we're like, "Here you go, film this." So, so the <laughs> that's the girl who was murdered there previously, right. and she was right. murdered the night after. I guess Cage came to check out the hotel from the Craigslist ad. Like the sheriff said, "I recognize your Jeep from that night," and that's why he's like, "You must be a suspect." I don't know. Like, I guess like the pig is supposed to represent the dead girl. Well, because the the dead girl was killed in the same way that the pig was killed. That her yeah. stomach was sliced open. But I don't know how Cage is supposed to know that. Like, he just got there. But he does. But he does. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean like I don't know how he's supposed to know that that pig represents the crime that took place at the motel so that's what's really weird about this movie is that he finds the pig in the pool fishes it out doesn't tell anybody about it brings it out to the desert lights it on fire yeah what's that the sheriff shows up the next day (laughs) don't know the sheriff shows up the next day and is like hey anything weird happened here last night and cage is like you know i found a pig in a pool he's like yeah we know it was found by the police or whatever like okay okay why what what why what 
Exactly. That was me for a majority of this movie. The movie, it, it kind of concentrates on the wrong kind of stuff. Like, I think, like, it should have delved a little deeper into the, like, that, I think that's, like, an example of, oh, we want to get weird, but not too weird as to sort of get interesting, I guess. But I feel like it should have spent more time on the sort of semi-neon demon stuff going on in the hotel also, where you have, like, this crazy lit dominatrix thing happening in the in room 10 also that is supposed to be a thread where that's possibly where those are possibly the people the kinky customers that killed the girl previously and we've come to find out that i think the cop is the man in the chair that he can't see it's all very unclear all that but i wish they spent way more time with that i think they could have gotten cooler and stranger with cage peeping on that kind of stuff as opposed to this weird uh sort of red herring whodunit murder mystery thing but instead what happens is that cage watches them do their dominatrix stuff and then goes back to his room and has sex with Robin Tunney. Like, he comes back. Compromised. Like, he is ready to go. Compromises Robin Tunney. Was this movie rated R? It had, yeah, it had. Well, I'm pretty sure it, it's either unrated or rated R, because there's a lot of swearing. Robin Tunney gets topless for some reason. Like, why are you doing this? I know her from Prison Break. I don't think I've seen okay. her in anything I know else, her from but... The Craft, basically. <laughs> well, for being rated R, it was like the lamest sex scenes. Go for it if you, if you already have that rating. Like well, even when the, like the first you know dominatrix scene, like between the two women, I'm like they're not even near each other. Those could have been way spiced up, but the cage compromising scene, he's kind of going at her pretty aggressively to the point where I was oh. like, oh, this makes me uncomfortable. Oh, he's yeah. awkward when he's banging her. It's super super <laughs> awkward. So I couldn't tell if because they were cross cutting between the compromising and the murder that murder happened that night or is that like i i couldn't tell if i honestly have no like idea. yeah because here's the thing like i couldn't tell if he had just murdered somebody and went back and had sex with his wife if he was thinking about killing somebody while he was having sex with his wife because he has that daydream about having sex with the cleaning lady yeah what's that amazing. about i don't think it's about much and, and and so like i i wasn't sure if this was a window into his sort of psychosexual mentality and operations and that's why he likes looking through the looking glass and none of that really came together for me it's just strange like looking glass the title looking through the mirror they never really go as crazy as they can with like any alice in wonderland references or any kind of psychedelic kind of stuff that kind of comes along with that connotation that title or anything and and it had the opportunity but sort of swung and missed pretty pretty hard oh yeah i mean i absolutely wish it got weirder like i wish that when we see the girl get abducted. Mm. I'm like, is this real or is this role play? Mm-hmm. Because it feels like it could have been like some kinky shit. Like that's what I thought this was gonna go. Cage sees what he thinks is a murder, but it's just some like elaborate like rape fantasy or something. And so he starts to put the wheels in motion of like, I need to solve this murder, I need to find out the killer. Mm. But then like the twist is that like the woman's still alive. Like I thought it was gonna go there. But no, it's like it's just straight up an actual murder that he's now busy compromising his wife while this is happening like it's just there's so many ways that it could have gotten weird and crazy but it just reels it back and dials it back for no reason also why does this like rundown shitty hotel have like super advanced electronic key cards like i did that was another thing that just really bothered me like when he gets there he has a, a skeleton key that opens everything up but all the guests have these like modern like 
Hilton key cards to get in and out. I feel like that's just lazy storytelling and lazy filmmaking because I feel like it is a kind of hotel that just has keys. Like he's got the key that like lets him into the quote unquote pool maintenance room, which mm-hmm. is what he uses to go down the rabbit hole and like watch room ten. Ooh, I don't good know call with the rabbit hole. What's also weird? Why does everyone want? room 10. Yeah, it's as if they know the mirror is a two-way mirror and that they like getting peeped on. Is room 10 the only one with the mirror or are there mirrors in everyone? I would hope there's mirrors in every. Like, what kind of motel is this? We have electronic locks, but mirrors, only room 10. That's all we can afford. <laughs> well, no, 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 but not just mirrors, just like the two-way mirrors. Like, can Cage peep on every room or just the one mm-hmm. room? Yeah, that was another way the movie let me down was I was hoping that it was going to be, you know, we'd spend a couple minutes looking into every room maybe mm-hmm. or something, but I, I have a feeling it was just room 10. But then that makes no sense. Like, why would the trucker, like the trucker's reasoning for wanting room 10 is that he doesn't want to be rude to the other members of the hotel, the other guests, and his truck is loud. I guess he really wants, because it's on the end, he's able to bring the hookers in and out. But then when Cage is like, look, just have room five, he's fine with it. Like, I don't understand. (laughs) I don't don't get it. Yeah, he doesn't put up much of a fight. If he park, he can still park the truck. There's ten rooms. It's not that far of a walk. We're talking about, like, five feet versus twenty feet. Like, I guess maybe if they're hooting and hollering while they're salsa dancing, maybe. I don't know. I don't know why, yeah, why can't he have room nine? Yeah. Like, exactly. It's not like it was filled up every night, all night. There was, like, what, at max, two guests were ever there at the same time? Yeah, pretty much. Like, and when it was the trucker and then the, uh, like, the, the beat-up-looking woman. And some blonde ladies. I, I wasn't sure if they were all the same blonde lady, but... There was at least two different ones, right? So there's the two blonde ladies. There's the, there's the one who was there at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. She's the one who gets killed. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is... She actually has a name. I think it's Jessie. I think her name is Jessie in parentheses room six. Uh, yes. Because on the news, it's like Jessica or something. And uses the disgusting pool to do some laps. Yeah. Yes. Jessica, room six. But then the other woman, the woman who is the dominatrix doesn't have a name in the credits she's just strawberry blonde like that's what she's credited as i think i'm unclear whether or not it's her like they call her cassie but that's also kind of an alias is she affiliated with the sheriff at all or no they don't make that clear because the guy in the room could have been Mm -hmm. the dude that like fought nicholas cage at the bar like you know right right i i wasn't clear either that needed that definitely needed to be clarified like at the end when the sheriff has Cage's wife tied up, and he's like, looks like your husband's not coming, looks like he's a coward and everything. I thought for sure he was gonna go full Bond villain and say to the wife while Cage was, like, you know, luckily listening behind the mirror the two-way. I thought for sure he was gonna be like, I would sit in this chair and wait and watch, and then I'd have my turn and kill the you know, kill the girl. That was how I would do it, and that's how I'm gonna do it with you. And it's like, no, like, he never has, like, this confession or anything like that and that's a that's another miss but maybe that's what's so great is that it the movie just completely feels like it's not necessary it's like all these all these little holes in the movie that are necessary the movie's just like nah let's just see if we could do without them and and keep it together it barely does but i'm still having a fun time because i think cage looks great he's wearing tons of flannel like he looks like a lumberjack in the middle of the desert (laughs) he's got those little uh, circular glasses that remind me like he should be working at the nick and in the 1900s he's got a he's rocking a full beard smoking a ton of cigarettes Mm. in this movie yeah kind of leaning into that snowden look that older man sort of the wiser man that the father figure 
I'm just upset a little bit that last movie we did was Mom and Dad. We were like, okay, cool, Dad Cage. And now here, we have Dad Cage again, but the daughter dies before the movie starts. Like, we want... I feel like we're going to keep getting this kind of thing, though, right? Like, Mm. he's in the realm now, I guess, where he's going to be a parent in these movies. He would have done great in that movie, The House, as in the Will Ferrell role. Now that I've, like, rewatched it a couple times, like, that's a role that would be great if we just get a string of Cage comedies, like a comeback Cage comedy where... Uh, he uh, is a dad and he's doing dad things and sometimes he's a good one sometimes he's a bad one yeah I asked him I marked that down there's another thing they go to a casino in here that's a very cage location I feel like even the motel itself absolutely you know like being in a motel I think in leaving Las Vegas he spent the last yep. days in, in motels and stuff so I was I was glad as uh, someone who's gone through all the films with Joey and done the cage club like to pick out all these little things maybe this would be a good cage bingo there's a lot oh, of stuff going on in this there is also Robin Tunney has what appears to be the worst tattoo in movie oh my god it's so bad <laughs> I noticed arm. that immediately it's so bad it's like very clearly like a fading stick on tattoo that reminded me a little bit of Amos and Andrew, where he has those terrible, mm. like, the eight-ball tattoo. Mm-hmm. But Mike, you, yeah, we haven't mentioned yet, the biggest cage in action is that Cassie, a.k.a. Strawberry Blonde, calls room 10, quote, a peach. I really like that end room. What number is that again? 10. That's right. 10's a peach. I'll take 10. Dude, I, I like, uncontrollably yelped when she said that out loud. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was so happy for that little moment in the movie. Like, it just made it perfect. I do appreciate this movie's desire to really lean into the creep. Before the motel is even open, Jessica, room 6, shows up before she's murdered, obviously. Robin Tunney lets her have a room a night early. And Cage, like, ten minutes into this movie, is already spying on her, and, like, we see her, like, closing her drapes while in a towel. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, we're real creepy real early. Like, we set the groundwork for a very sexualized Cage that I expected, and I guess that's what the movie wants you to think, that expected him to get into some kind of, like, predicament with Cassie. But no, it doesn't happen. Robin Tunney accuses him of, like, fucking her, of compromising her but it never actually happens. And I'm like, oh, that's a weird decision to not do that. Oh, you know what? Um, speaking of, because that reminds me of the scene. He, when he, she confronts him about fucking them, and he's like, you need to cool down, and pushes her into the shower and turns it oh off. Oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was another winning one-liner. <laughs> well, she goes for, like, the bottle of pills, and he kicks down <laughs> the the bathroom hold door. On, hold on. <laughs> Before we even he get beat, there, let's I take another step back. I think he beats up a lady in every film I've watched with you guys. <laughs> definitely The Wicker Man. Uh, definitely this movie. Uh, Outcast, probably, probably Outcast. yeah. You're on a streak. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> he keeps leaving his phone at the motel whenever he goes and does anything and she is getting pissed off about it and so he comes back from confronting strawberry blonde at the bar whipping out a gun out of nowhere that i don't think we've seen up to that point that was in the glove compartment in the opening oh right 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 right, right. yes you're right yes 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 (laughs) he intimidates the guy and then punches the guy in the head with the gun goes back to the motel robin tunney's like where were you what were you doing? Who were you with? Who were you having sex with? Who were you compromising? They get into a big fight. 
she throws an alarm clock <laughs> hits him in the head the way that it's filmed it looks like she actually throws an alarm clock and hits Nicolas Cage in the head with it like I don't know what that was about then that's when she locks herself in the bathroom he kicks down the door and then stops her from I guess killing herself no no I'm not letting you no you are not no I guess. I don't know. I thought she just, she was uh, a mother that lost a child and was, you know, on some medication. I didn't realize that it was anything you could really overdose on. But yeah, I, I guess... thought she was just going to get high to not deal with it. I, I didn't I didn't get the vibe that she was going to uh, kill herself. Uh, but, but but I got the vibe that, that Cage, but, but Cage was freaking out so much as if, like, this was a pattern or something. That, like, she would lock herself in the bathroom and, like, get high on pills while they had a daughter or something. Or maybe he was drunk and would catch her. Mm-hmm. In the, I mean, this is all, like, before the movie starts, you know? Like, it's alluded to a little later, too, you know, more by the sheriff. We don't know if he's telling the absolute truth, but that Cage is an alcoholic and cheats on his wife with the neighbor and wife likes to get high when she's watching. Like, they found the kid and there was, like, the blood tests that maybe the parents were high at the time, so negligence and all that, that whole route. So I wasn't sure if this was, you know, he something was up about past history and he was seeing, he was just taking preemptive action by shoving her into the shower. And then don't they like make out after that? They yeah. make out, they compromise, oh. go to bed, wake up, and she's like, last night, it was great in its own way. And then she's like, but basically I'm going to get out of here. And it's like, oh, that's what? right. And she leaves it. It's this crazy, like they have a very rocky relationship, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's not as crazy as it could be or should be. There should be more blowups and more passionate sex mm-hmm. and more like violence. And we get like one or two scenes of it, but not enough to really like their relationship, which should be like the core of this movie is such an afterthought that it's sort of disappointing. Well, and I think it's unproportionate how angry he gets at her for like, oh, you were high while she was right in front of you where you were a million miles away. And it's like, well, you were an alcoholic. So like rule number one, don't be a shitty dad and do a bunch of drugs. Just don't do those things. And then, you know, you can cast all these insults at your wife. But it's like you were just as much of a shitty. So why are you mad? Be mad at yourself. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I would have liked a lot more arguments, I guess. They needed to work on their marriage instead of work on this hotel. Like, I feel like Cage is out, like, fixing shit around the hotel where he should be fixing his relationship. And it's like, that's what he's ignoring. I have a question for you, because it's a movie that I've not seen. Is We Bought a Zoo about the same oh. thing? Like, is it them trying to repair a relationship by buying a zoo? I would assume so. I haven't seen it. But, uh, I, well, okay, so I've seen parts of it on a plane. So, I mean, uh, what I've gathered is Matt Damon's wife dies. So him and his kids buy a zoo, oh, and then he meets okay. Black Widow. And I guess they fall in love, from what I could tell. And they barely pass the inspection so that they can open. And then, like, a tree falls over the road, but the people don't care, and they, like, climb over the tree, and it's, like, backed up for miles. So it's not a relationship repairing. It's a family rebuilding movie. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Same sort of thing, though. Right, and it's not, like, a haunting thriller-esque thing either it's like a very warm family movie there's a scene in this movie where the sheriff smashes a praying mantis with a bible yeah what was that that was so unnecessary i cringed at that like just watching that made me feel that's just 
irresponsible. Like, don't even represent that if you're... Don't even joke about something like that. It's illegal. You can't kill those. I don't know if you actually kill... I mean, like, because they show it on the thing, and then they cut away, and, like, they say they show the guts. But, like, I don't know that they actually... Like, we don't see him smush a live no, thing. No, but, but the like, intention... This is a cannibal holocaust. No, no but, no, no, but no, like, everybody knows. Like, didn't you, growing up, no, <laughs> don't kill praying mantises. It's, like, illegal. Yes. I, like, that's... Everybody knows that. Yes. I think... Is that real, though? I think Whoa. it is. They're just beautiful bugs in the first place anyway, and they're just so interesting, but I, I, it's also like, he, there is no dog to kick in this movie, so they needed to sheriff, if you couldn't get it at this part, like, he sucks, like, he's evil, like, he's a bad deal, kill a praying mantis, because, like, you know, like we all heard growing up, it's either bad luck or against the law or, or whatever, this guy's, you know, we just need to pinpoint it, like, just in case you're not sure, he's the bad guy, it's definitely not Cage, he's not haunted, he's not possessed, the hotel isn't that cool, there's just one see-through window in one room that you can get to by crawling through the cellar. Isn't two-way glass really thick? <laughs> yeah, he just fucking lunges through that like, shit at the like, end. I, I feel like like I've it's read so about cool. it before on like Wikipedia, and like it's supposed to be like really thick. That's what allows it to work. So yeah, how does he just lunge through it? He's super strong. <laughs> super strong. Like, I would have bought it. I maybe. love it, <laughs> I love it, too. I mean, it's it's wonderfully dumb or whatever. Like, it's just, like, you have to have him jump through it. I mean, that's just the image-wise. Like, it looks awesome, but it would have been, you know, maybe if he had smashed it a couple times with a pipe first so that it got kind of cracked. That's what the guy heard for turning around and finally Cage was just like, screw it, and jumps through it. Yeah, because you don't even see him on the other side, like, deciding, like, I'm going to jump through this. You just hear the tapping, and then when you do see him, he's, like, already halfway through the mirror. It's great. I wish he stabbed him with the mirror. Well, he does. Oh, no, is that part of the mirror? I thought it was, like, part yeah. of... Okay, I yeah, wasn't sure if it was... No, 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 no. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, good. Yeah, so let's set that scene up. So Cage comes back to the motel, can't find his wife, sees that there's lights flickering in room 10. Holly on Facebook is freaking out, like, <laughs> why don't you just knock on the door? Why are you go going back in the hole? Obviously, he goes back down through the rabbit hole because he needs to see what's going on there. He sees his wife. He sees the sheriff. And the sheriff says, looks like your boy chickened out. Man, I really wanted you to see me blow his head off. Good thing for Cage. He does not go into the front door. Sheriff starts to go over to the wife. Cage hurdles himself through the stupid mirror, <laughs> takes out the sheriff. Both of their guns go flying in opposite directions. The sheriff stabs Cage with a knife. Cage picks up a shard of the mirror, stabs this guy in the face. They both pick up guns. Cage shoots him, mm -hmm. and he says, Jesus, that could have gone better, which I think is the same thing he says. Yeah. Okay. That's crazy. So I just realized that now. I didn't realize that when I wrote it down. But after he kills the praying mantis, he says, Jesus, that could have gone better. Then Cage shoots him. The sheriff once again says, Jesus, that could have gone better. And then Cage shoots him again. Jesus, that could have gone better. Then Cage brings Rob and Tony out to their car. He's bloody. She's going to have like PTSD forever. Yeah, they've been through the ringer tonight. <laughs> Tommy Big Rig shows up. He's like, hey, room 10 available? Like, dude, read the room. <laughs> they say nothing to him. He just can't take the hint either. That's the last line of the movie because they drive off and the movie ends. Oh, and if you are told that it's ended with the big red font at the end saying the end. 
just oh, just I in lo- case I you you that. were like, oh, is there more? Nope, it's that's over, guys. Go home. I loved that the end there at the end because there's just another glimmer of what it could have been. Like it would, it should have had an impact, but it didn't. It should have matched the opening credits, but it doesn't. Like all this stuff. Well, it does a little bit. Like I feel like the opening credits. Like, the font and the style and... Yeah, but not the mood. Well, it's trying to be like The Shining, I feel like. Oh. There's these aerial shots of them <laughs> driving, going to this hotel. Mm-hmm. It's like the font is very evocative of, like, a 70s thriller. I got a very sort of early 90s canon, like, action thing happening for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like, these, these That's two... That's also, also the same on, font. You're right. <laughs> this couple on the run, kind of. We don't know yet. I thought maybe they could be, like, a Bonnie and Clyde situation thing. But, no, it turns out... To be you know boring town but that's okay it was still fun for me which doesn't make sense either because they just bought a motel on craigslist it wasn't like it was a 50 dollars transaction like obviously they they put whatever <laughs> so they're gonna drive off to do what they have no money like all their belongings are there like you killed the bad guy why not just stay there and call the cops or whatever <laughs> yes yes that's a good point. Yeah, like, like, wh- why do you have to... You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't murder anybody. I didn't get the ending. And then even, like, yeah, with, like, the character turn for, like, Big Rig Tommy, like, he wasn't... Oh, all right, he's, like, a shitty guy because he cheats on his wife because he's a sex addict. But he, he was, like, a consistent character. But then at the end, he's like, oh, you're bloody and it's the middle of the day? Can I bang a lady at the end? Like, no! You were supposed to be the one thing that was consistent in this, and then now you're not either. It's like, I don't know, the last 15 minutes were just like, all right, guys, we got to wrap this up. Let's go. Let's go. The other thing that I don't understand about this, like, climax of the movie is that when Cage meets Ben in the desert, Ben is like, oh, yeah, for like, he's got like a metal finder or something. Uh, it's a Geiger counter. Okay, it's a Geiger counter, which also, I guess, doesn't make sense. This movie takes place in Arizona. I think they shot the only trivia on IMDb is that it's shot in Utah. So cool. Thanks, IMDb. Uh, I think it was New Mexico. One time the guy says L.A., so... In the desk, there's a sign that says Arizona. Oh, is there? Okay. But that might also not have anything to do with anything. Like, that just might be like, hey, we're in the geographic (laughs) southwest, whatever. Mm. But Ben, in the desert, offers to give Cage half his money back? I don't understand, like, is he offering to buy the hotel back for half price, or just like, hey, here's going to be half your money back, but then he gets shot and doesn't matter either way. Like, how much did this motel sell for? We never find out exactly. We just get the sense that he needed to unload it quickly. So who knows how long, like, that Craigslist ad's been up. Like, they must have saw it, like, within the first day or so. But yeah, that guy Ben is, what, he's living out in the mountains, like Woody Harrelson in 2012, I guess. (laughs) Like, he's just off the grid now, like, as an old man. Yet he knows exactly what what's going on in the motel too doesn't he leave like little cryptic lines about like oh like this door is still not fixed or like i you know room 10 or all this stuff or i don't know i get the sense that he's watching remotely mm-hmm. for some reason but that's never explored at all uh he is trying to give half the money back but it's like he has no use for money anyway so why didn't he just like give cage the motel an easy fix i felt it could have been you know their family member died and they are willed the motel in the will you know so they go out there to like work on it as they work on their relationship nothing is clean enough to really play smoothly in the end though i still love it (laughs) just because it's nonsense yeah i mean that's the thing it's like that that it's all nonsense is what kind of saves it that it just keeps getting as holly might say stupider and and (laughs) dumber and and harder to take is like i it's 
for me as a lover of Cage alone, like it's just piling on the madness, and it's just like I can it just keep giving it to me. Like I almost love how bad it gets. What's frustrating in that regard is that like it could be that bad throughout. Like it it could double down on the camp in a lot of times because there is a lot of downtime here where not a lot's going on, and I feel like if it it, it has the ability to be manic from start to finish and just be like crazy moment after crazy moment i feel like in the best parts we get that Mm -hmm. but like early on it wants to pretend like it's an actual real movie which also (laughs) i guess maybe might work well like in terms of like ramping up like it doesn't really ramp up it just like it's like it lulls you in and then all of a sudden just crazy dude i would totally watch an indie drama where like you know who knows like ryan gosling runs a motel with his grieving wife you know and there's no sort of strangeness it's just they learn life lessons and turn themselves around through like the kindness of strangers that they meet and stuff you know yeah like if you just did one movie or the other i think that they would work but here they sort of like don't really mix well enough i mean that is to have like the thriller (laughs) stuff the thriller as you know it's either do the thriller thing or do the relationship thing but i don't think they could have pulled it both off yeah it's not so much loose ends but just like too many directions and nothing really ever gets fleshed out to a point that you're like yes that's fulfilling or that's clear like even at the beginning like i was like i know that he buys this motel because you know i I read the wikipedia article before i watched this but even when he meets the housekeeper he's like hi and then that's that's finally when you like he has the whole conversation with ben and maybe i'm just like a bad film watcher um but i was like did he buy it and it's not until he talks to the housekeeper the next day and he's like i'm the owner at which point too he's like who's this guy and she's like oh this is my nephew and you never see that character again (laughs) that i was like oh i I guess he did buy this hotel like it's okay like that was not clear like i'm glad that i got it thrown in my face that his daughter died in the first three minutes we couldn't have overtly stated that he bought this uh, motel i don't know I don't have answers to any of your questions, Holly, but what you did remind me of is that Cage has a dream about having sex with the housekeeper. Yeah, what was mm-hmm. that about? That was, that was fucking don't weird. Know. That was don't weird. Don't know. Don't know. And I was like, is this real or is this a dream? And then he wakes up. Again, like, it could have been, if he was, like, living a double life, like, if, he, if, if this was, like, a fight club situation, everything he was dreaming, like, all this weird stuff he was actually doing after hours, mm-hmm. yeah. that would have been cool. Like, just rip the premise off. Yeah, and then he's getting, like, glances from her while in front of his wife at the pool and stuff, and it's like, senior, like, what about me and stuff? And he's just like, what are you talking about? And, like, doesn't know what he's been up to. That's where I thought this movie was headed, but, uh... Nope, it didn't want to be that interesting. Like, all the scenes with her just felt unnecessary. Like, okay, she apparently comes too early, wakes them up, and he's like, here's the keys, I like to sleep in. And then the third memorable scene with her is with the sni- the black snake. What does that the, the mean? cobra. Because it's not like the room is haunted, like, oh, bad things happen in this room. It's a shitty dude that murders ladies in this room. Like, it has nothing to do with the room. So, like, what's the deal with the snake? I think the thing with the snake is that there's this weird, spooky vibe about the hotel, and then Cage is basically startled into action by a woman screaming. And you're like, uh-oh, what happened now? And it's just a snake in the bathtub. Like, I think it's supposed to be, like, a fake-out. Like, I think it's supposed to be, like, oh, we think something else happened, but it's just a snake. Because yeah. I wrote down, like, lady, you can't be shouting about snakes this time. Like, no, you, like, right. There is way bigger stuff happening in the movie <laughs> to be shouting about snakes. That's the issue. It's, like, I think, like Holly said before, it's just, like, there's too much. Like, they're trying to, like, I felt like the movie should have been called, like, Red Herring because, like, it just seems like there's so many things introduced that they want you to be, like, okay, it could be this or it could be that or, like, it might be this and in the end it's just not it's none it's none of what they want you to think which are like the better thing 
things, you know, like maybe it's haunted. Maybe there's a there's like a really weird, cool explanation to all this that it isn't just this idiot cop you know that is obviously the killer hopefully it's not just that but no like in the end it's sort of like this con where it's like ha ha like tried to make you look but couldn't that's kind of why i love it though i love that part about it where it thinks it's so smart and it's just not oh and the the other um red herring how about the like garage mccoy boys where they look yes i was i was just about to say that like the one in the car is so weird looking and then they're like you know hey if you ever need anything like come to us and like the gas station owner is really nice about it and cage is just a shit dick he's like yeah whatever like he's trying to be like hey we're literally the only two businesses in the middle of desert town usa like why introduce these three characters have them look ominous and then like no no, we'll never see them again, ever. We see them one other time, but they don't do anything. Yeah. It's yeah. just both times he goes across the street, they're there, but they don't do anything. And I guess, again, like Mike said, like this is supposed to be the red herring, like, oh, is it them? But no, it's not them. I love the gas station owner. Like, he is the worst actor in the world. Like, he is terrible, but it fits so great. Like, Holly said, like, Cage goes in there, and the gas station owner is, like, the nicest guy, and Cage is, like, a huge dick. And then later on, Cage goes in there, and rightfully, the gas station owner's a huge dick to Cage. You know? He's like, I didn't see nothing. Like, I see what I want to see, and all this kind of stuff. And Cage is like, well, we should look out for each other, you know? Like, we're right across the street. And the guy's like, I got my boys, or whatever. So, like, I at least appreciated, A, like, his caliber of acting and B, his consistency as a character, you know? Like, he acted pretty accordingly when he was brought back for his second scene, so good for him. I feel like his character and the three McCoy boys, to use Holly's term, <laughs> are just like, hey, like, you know how sometimes in David Lynch movies they're just, like, town weirdos like, just staring mm-hmm. at you? Like, let's do that. But, like, let's not actually use them. Like, there's, it's trying to add this aura of menace and mystique and fear and whatever and then it just like basically just cast aside well yeah isn't that um the weird family and it's always sunny in philadelphia they're the mccoys right no they're the mcpoyles McPoyle, okay that i was well that's what it reminded me of because like the one dude in the car and then the car like goes down and comes more in the <laughs> frame it's just so like weird looking and they're super greasy too so yeah they looked kind of the same like that as well right yeah no i totally agree joey like how cool would it have been if like they tried to tussle at the end with the cop and get like you know, they come in with their wrenches or something, or the fight spills out into the middle of the street and they try and do something. That would have been cool. That would have been something for them to do. But it's almost like better that they're just wasted. <laughs> like at this point, that's kind of what I'm loving about this movie more is like the balls it has to just like, look, we could do something with this, but we're not gonna. <laughs> like, just make it up in your own mind because you've seen it in better movies or, or, go, or go watch, like, hey, this reminds you, like, go watch twin, some Twin Peaks or some David Lynch or something where, where you will get what you want and i think at least that's what made it frustrating for me because it was a nice movie to look at nick cage all of his flannels like he wears a whole (laughs) bunch of them but like there's a range of them like all the owl motifs it's weird but it looks nice like the the hotel is cool to look at the people are cool to look at like even when he's like crawling around stuff's cool to look at it's just all the things that are actually happening plot-wise are frustrating because they don't go anywhere. Oh, Mike, you know what I just realized? You know what I just learned? Hmm. One of the guys who wrote this movie also wrote Dog Eat Dog, oh. which is another movie where there's a lot of things happening and nothing really yeah. going anywhere. Yeah, that movie has another one with a lot of potential. 
that just kind of gets squandered, unfortunately. And also some like crazy color things happening too, but I don't think that's yep. written in the script necessarily. I think that's just coincidence. Paul Schrader doing his crazy things. Yeah. I have no more notes about Looking Glass. Holly, do you have anything else to say about this movie that you absolutely hated? I'm really glad that when I went to rent it, I could use it with my Fios rewards points so that it turned out to be... <laughs> free so I, I i guess i give it 1.5 stars yeah what's what's up with your day oh i got a pig in my pool <laughs> just, uh, please put that clip because he just says it so dejectedly i had a little trouble here tonight so i yeah somebody threw a dead pig in my pool oh lord damn oh that's a new one you should got breakfast for a few days huh i burned it on the desert. Damn, Ray. And you not only feed the coyotes and the crows, but you just cook them up a mess of ham? You're a hell of a guy. <laughs> um, yeah, that's 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 my two takes. Don't watch this. I think at the end of this discussion, I, I might have to bump my rating up at least an extra half a star or star or something. No. Like yeah. Star and a half. I don't know. Just for your reference, yeah. before I rated it a five, no one on Letterboxd gave it a four and a half or a five. Okay. So if you want to join me in very elite select company, yeah, it's there. This is something like I wasn't entirely like okay, like with inconceivable, like I'm I was with you, but I wasn't like you know a thousand percent with you. But for some reason, with this one, I am. I think it's because just there's it's more cage. You know what I'm saying? Like inconceivable is a crazy, great, weird, wacky, terrible movie that I love, but it's just not really a cage film. And and I feel like we get a lot of that, uh, a lot of those missteps with this one. Cage is in like every shot almost of this movie and it's it's great. I mean it's just been so great that it's you know February and we've already had two brand new Nick Cage movies so maybe I'm riding the high a little bit. This is also possibly like a step away from a Skinamax movie from from like when I was in high school you know it's very it's close it, it reminds me of a lot of that stuff that I used to watch late at night weird confessions here at the end of this episode <laughs> <laughs> so not just like Twin Peaks vibes but you know Skinamax vibes but I was getting like nostalgia hits from this type of late night movie you know i'm sorry holly but i have to tell people to go out and check it out um see if you could get it for free like you did uh, somehow or it's you know, fine you already card. drew your line in the sand when you doubled down on liking the bad batch oh still my favorite movie of last year guys Stop so it. i don't know what to tell you <laughs> still a real hot take never so, coming on know. this podcast again <laughs> oh no my five reasons to watch this movie on Letterboxd are the aforementioned eyeglass cleaning scene. Five reasons to watch this movie. Eyeglass cleaning scene, Cage's series of bizarre decisions as the world's worst motel proprietor. A frequent patron calls a particular motel room a peach. Robin Tunney's character is amazingly wildly inconsistent and someone smashes a praying mantis with a Bible. So that sounds like a movie you want to watch. Check it out. Nice. Before we go, I do want to say, uh, we have an email address here. You can email mailbag at cageclub.me. We will read it on air next time we do a Cage Club episode. We have supposedly, knock on wood, potentially the Humanity Bureau coming in a little over a month. Google says April 6th, so we'll see if that's VOD or what that is. But nice. The Humanity Bureau, which has sort of been floating around on the dark webs of you know, the illegal <laughs> pirate sites of The Silk whatever. Road. <laughs> the Silk Road. Uh, it's been out there. We've, we've abstained. We have not seen it. We have not mm-hmm. gotten it. Waiting for it to hit VOD legally. So maybe in a little over a month we'll have another one. Maybe we'll have another one in between. But anyway, if you email us, mailbag at cageclub.me, we'll read it on air. What I do want to mention, though, is that we got actual 
fan mail in the mail. Amazing. Which I'm very excited about. This is great. So we have uh, two fans over in the UK, John and Danielle. Danielle loves... Oh, God, I, I want to get this right. Oh, boy. I think Danielle loves Keanu. And she was for searching on iTunes, and she found Keanu Club. And then her boyfriend, John, loves Nicolas Cage... And then they found out that we already did Nicolas Cage. They were like, oh my god. (laughs) And so they are both active on our social media. I know both of them in terms of the interactions on Twitter. And John reached out to us and said, hey, I did some Nicolas Cage fan art. Can I send you some? And we were like, absolutely. So Holly, I'm going to put in uh, our chat the picture that he sent. There's two copies. I sent Mike this earlier. So he sent one for me and one for Mike, which is very thoughtful, very considerate. Uh, Prepare yourself, Holly. Same thing. Okay. I've seen these pictures. You can see this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is fantastic. So we've got H.I. from Raising Arizona in the upper left. Mm -hmm. We've got Cameron Poe from Con Air in the bottom right. I am pretty sure the pink one is Face Off. Yep, yes, yes. In the prison scene where it's Travolta as Cage leaning into the Cage persona. Yes. And the upper right, is that Leaving Las Vegas? The green one. I'm having trouble seeing. Click on it. It can make it bigger. I think it might be Leaving Las Vegas. It would make sense with the collar and... That is one of his seminal roles. So that's what I think it is. So they also, I did not send this to you earlier, Mike, but John sent a letter, a handwritten letter. Oh. He says, Dear Joey, Mike, and the rest of the Cage Club Podcast Network, thank you very much for producing hours and hours of most excellent content. So a little bit of a Keanu shout out there. Station. He says, We love listening to your podcast, and we're excited to see what you bring out next. I hope you enjoy this Nicolas Cage print drawn, colored by me. All the wow. best, John and Danielle. And he also included in here, this is going to be a shout-out little plug to him, because he did a nice thing for us. He included a business card for his comic book company. Oh. It's called Cog Life Comics, C-O-G space Life space Comics. You can find them on Facebook at Cog Life R. You can find them on Twitter at Cog underscore Life or coglifecomics.co.uk. So check it out. I saw the art. I mean, the art here for the skate stuff is, is beautiful. Yeah. I really like the colors on this. You guys should get this uh, framed for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm definitely going to get it framed. Do not worry. Yeah, this is some high quality, almost like a Mondo piece or something. Like, that's how it, it looks to me. Like, you see a lot a lot of, like, cool sort of, like, fan art floating around the internet that's actually in galleries and at shows and stuff. And, like, this guy should have a gallery show, like, for sure, of his cage art. This is awesome. So, yeah, so that is awesome. Thank you again, John and Danielle. We have to thank Danielle specifically for, I think she was the one who found us originally, then brought John on. But thank you both for sending us a letter, for sending us the art, for listening. Again, we've said that we would do this even if nobody was listening, but we're so glad that people out there like the nonsense that we do, that like Nicolas Cage and Keanu Reeves and everybody else as much as we do. So thank you for listening. Please keep listening. Cage Club is few and far between sometimes. Keanu Club especially few and far between right now. Every time there's a new movie out, we will come back to the well. We will cover that new movie. This episode, I think, I'm going to drop it on Tuesday, February 27th, which means that we are in the midst of a lot of new shows since we put out the mom and dad episode Mm. we have launched the contenders which now has two episodes out you can check tobin and island addington's podcast about the unruly women of cinema they put out episodes about the contender and wonder woman tobin who's been on cage club many a time 
so go check that out. We also launched Winona Forever, the Winona Ryder podcast. Lindsay Gibb, who is a Cage expert, yes. who is one of the only people in the world I know who has seen nearly as many Cage movies as we have. Yes, our friends from up north as well. Yes, she will be on the Humanity Bureau episode whenever that uh, movie comes out. Cool. Uh, she and her friend Rekka, they have a podcast about Winona Ryder. They're going back through all of Winona's movies, so go check that out. We have launching this Saturday Mike's very own podcast, Third Time's a Charm, about the third movies in the film franchise. We have some very big news dropping on Thursday about a new show. And then in a couple weeks, I think we might have another new show, too. So lots of things happening. I think we might have teased some of this on the Mom and Dad episode. But go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, and at cageclubpod on Twitter to find out everything that we're doing, all of our new shows, all of our episodes. Go back and listen to the other episodes that Holly's been on. She's been on at least three of this, a couple Keanu. She's going to be on a couple Charlize, including one coming up very soon. So go check it out. And Holly, we're sorry that you had to watch a bad movie or what you thought was a bad movie. We're sorry that he keeps beating up women in these movies that you watch. But we are delighted that you joined us. It's always a pleasure to be here. I just, I, It's nice to have something to bitch about that's, I don't know, fluff. Rather than bitching about, you know, real 2018 problems. The one silver lining that I will say here is that at least you got a movie where Cage was in it a ton. We brought on a first-time guest for a recent Charlize episode, and Charlize was in the movie for a minute. And thankfully, he loved the movie. Mike and I did not. But we were like, oh, hey, you want to come on the Charlize Theron podcast? (laughs) Guess what? She's not really in the movie. Here, Cage is in, like, every shot, basically. So we got a heavy dose of Cage here. So even if the movie wasn't up your alley, we got a lot of Cage for your buck or for your rewards points. Yeah, I I got my rewards points worth of Cage for sure. So anyway, cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, at cageclubpod on Twitter. Email us, mailbag at cageclub.me. Shout out again to John and Danielle for the art and the letter and all the kind stuff. Uh, We're going to keep doing it. Please keep listening. That's all I got. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Holly Gore. And we'll see you next time on Cage Club.